Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Today, really, I want to talk about blunt men and how they belong before they believe. We touched on one last week, Thomas. But blunt men, I've been brought up to be a blunt bloke. And blunt's okay for a while. But after a while, it gets predictable and, and it's not productive. And so we've, we've got to learn to change. And so I'm just going to finish off the story. You remember, uh, remember last week it was Easter and uh, the drama of the Easter story and Jesus gets betrayed. But certain things happened around that time. And I pulled out the character of Thomas. Let me just finish off this character of Thomas, because he was a blunt man, but he was an honest man, and he was a committed man to everything that he could understand. Touch, taste, feel, the sense, the senses. Touch, taste, feel, smell, hear. Yeah. So let's have a look at the first scripture. So here's a situation in John chapter 11 where a good friend of the community had died, and Jesus was very gentle talking to his disciples, and he said, Lazarus, has fallen asleep, right? So here's the story. So when he, that is Jesus, heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Interesting. And then he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, Rabbi means teacher. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you are going back. Can you see how fearless Jesus is? And he's just amazing, amazing. After he had said this, they went on to tell them, he went on to tell them, sorry, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. In other words, Jesus has to get fairly blunt with them. I'm telling you the, the story like, like it is, Jesus is wanting to go to Judea. They're coming back at him saying, they tried to stone you there, let's not go there. And, um, and then eventually there's a story about Lazarus falling asleep. Well, if he's asleep, he'll wake up. And Jesus goes, no, he's dead. And so he's really blunt with them. But I want you to notice Thomas's response because the context is antagonistic. It's life-threatening. And we listen to, listen to what Thomas has to say. His disciple re replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, he was tiny, <laughs> said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Can you see how Thomas is like, if he's going to die, I'm Spartacus. <laughs> and, and, and he's a, so a brave man. But you, can, you, pick up the, you pick up the dullness of the disciples. Unless Jesus is speaking blunt, they don't get it. Who's ever been in a conversation where somebody's trying to tell you something, you're not picking it up? <laughs> just, you just don't pick it up, do you? And they're like trying to... <laughs> it's like we've all had a frontal... Born with a frontal lobotomy. We, we, we just don't get it. Unless you tell us plainly. So, I, I, I feel the pain. Jesus has to deal with these 12 knuckle-draggers. What are we having for breakfast, Jesus? Right. That's right. So what I wanted to pull out to that is, is Thomas was prepared to die with Jesus. 
That's how tough this guy was. You know, strength of character, that's amazing. So then, the night before Jesus goes to the cross, they should be comforting him. He's comforting them. Yeah? Jesus is 33 years old. I'm, 50, I'm old enough to be his dad. I'm not his dad. <laughs> it's not like that. And Jesus comes anointed by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Scriptures. He is the Word, become flesh. So, so somebody like is now saying to all these guys, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's, sorry, in my father's house, as, uh, there are many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. If that was not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? So he's, he's trying to encourage them, saying, I am going to die, but I'm, I'm going to my father's. I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And the Jews would understand that. If you wanted to get married, you'd, uh, uh, you know, the man would go and pay the dowry to the father-in-law for, for the daughter. And they would agree a time and, and everything where they would get married. Then he says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for us, sweetheart. So he'd go to his father's house, his mum and dad's house, but his father's house, and he'd put an extension on the house. He would build that. And then when it was ready, he would come back and then he would take you to be with him. He would take his wife to be with him. Jesus is using that language, yeah? Well, some of us get it down here. I'm working hard here at this. So, okay. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am in heaven, yeah? Jesus will return another time to take the church to himself. So here we go. And he says, you know the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Can you see this fella will not be fobbed off. When he doesn't get it, he says he doesn't get it. And Jesus doesn't go, dearie, oh, dearie, oh, dearie me. Well, he does it next few verses, but that's to fill it. But anyway, here we go. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to heaven or to the Father except through me. What a claim. No other religious leader has ever claimed that. Mohammed didn't claim it. Buddha didn't claim it. Confucius didn't claim it. Nobody's ever claimed that. It's exclusive. You've got to come through Jesus. Question, have you come? Have you come to faith in Jesus? He's the only way. Some of you have come to faith and you're still working out, what about other religions? Maybe a little bit of this and a little pick and mix religion. And it's like, no, no, no. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way. What are we saying to Thomas? Is you don't have to understand the details. Just know me. If I'm the way, get hold of me. Who's ever been going through a crowd and you don't know where you're going, but somebody's leading you, you think, I'm following you. Yeah. I were in Cancun celebrating my son's stag do um, a couple of years ago. I went to this nightclub. It was massive. It was a, it's an experience I have never had in my life. And you're all sorts of, you're Spider-Man dropping down from ceiling. I'm like, jeepers, what did they put in my drink? <laughs> Everything was, was going on. It was just amazing. Um, but you see, going through the crowd, I just kept my eye on my eldest son because he was bigger than most people. And I just thought, I'm just following you. And that's, how, that's all Jesus needed. Follow me. You don't have to understand it all. Just follow me. And he says, but I'm going to prepare a place. And you know where I'm going. Thomas goes, we don't know where you're going. And that's the kind of man that he is. And so it's obvious the next story, the next scripture about uh, Thomas is, 
where he's, he's with the disciples, he'd missed the first meeting with Jesus, they'd all told him, I've seen the Lord, he's saying, I'm not having any of it, unless I put my finger in the nail prints, my hand in his side. And Jesus then appears to them, the resurrected Jesus in his eternal body, and he just says, Thomas, put your finger in the nail prints, your hand in the side, stop doubting, and believe. At which point, Thomas moves from being just a man that sees the physical, and that's all there is in life, to somebody that goes, wow, who have I been following? You're the undercover boss. The wig's gone, the moustache has come off. Who's ever seen that program? I watch it because I've nothing else to do during the day. Everyone else is doing a good, honest day's work. But the undercover boss eventually reveals himself. And he's like the CEO of the company. Jesus is the CEO of heaven and earth. And he came in the form of a human being, a real human being. He wasn't a phantom. He, he, he got hungry and he got tired and he got thirsty and he needed the loo. All them things are in there. And that's why the Jews said he's just a man. He wasn't. That's his form that he came in. He had to become a human being in order to rescue human beings. If we were ants, he would have had to have become an ant. How do you try to communicate with ants? You know, you, when you put your finger in the nest, they don't get it, they'll just bite you. If you're going to communicate to ants, you've got to know their language and they communicate. They, I've seen these programs on, I'm showing you. <laughs> he just said, I, he said, I don't like you, I'm, I'm going off for some food now, see you later. <laughs> if he wanted to communicate to ants, he would have had to have become an ant. But he wanted to communicate to the pinnacle of his creation, human beings. We are the pinnacle. You know, you look, but we are the pinnacle. When you see somebody at the lowest, you've got to remember we are made in God's image. And we have fallen so far from what God intended. And maybe you feel that pain and that, that, that desperation in your heart, or even that kind of, I am not what I wanted me to be at this time in my life. And I want to say, when you give your life to Jesus, it's a new beginning. It's not just more than a new beginning. It's more... It's more than just starting over again. It's a new life to start with. Your parents gave you human life. When you give your life to Jesus, he gives you eternal life. And it carries with it the qualities of peace, peace of mind. Let, let, let me just stop that there. You, you're getting the message this morning. Honestly, Jesus is a prayer away. And at the end of the, this, this meeting, we always give people an opportunity to just raise their hand and say, if you're there, if what this fellow's saying... Come into my life. I want you, God. I want your forgiveness. I want your eternal life. I want this quality of life. It's absolutely free. For all the Yorkshire people here, they all said, Amen. <laughs> so, so Thomas, we see how blunt Thomas is, but because he could belong with the crew, they didn't say, well, Thomas, we're fed up of listening to you saying, we don't believe, we don't believe. On your bike, mate. They don't. They just think, you know, we were like that when we first heard that he'd resurrected. And they allowed him to belong. And I want us as a church to have a long fuse with people that don't get it. And, and you know, let's give people time, not pressurizing them. We always give a challenge at the end because human nature needs a kick up the bum. We need to, to, to challenge. Jesus challenged people, but he allowed them to belong before they believed. Let's, let's get the, the scriptures up for the lady, uh, Mary Magdalene. Now, we, we mistake Mary Magdalene for a prostitute. I personally doesn't, don't think she was. And um, I think they're getting her mixed up with a, another woman that was a prostitute that came to Jesus uh, for peace 
and he gave her peace, for reassurance of her faith. Mary Magdalene, though, um, we think she's a rich woman. Uh, let's have the first scripture upon Mary Magdalene. There we go. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news. Notice it's good news that we proclaim. Yeah. Not dangling people over the pit of hell. Hell is a reality, but you know there's a way to talk about it. And Jesus proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. What is the good news? Is that though we were created perfect and the human race has fallen in Adam and Eve, that no matter how much religion or how many good works we try to do to get back to God, it doesn't work, it fails, it doesn't produce peace in the heart and peace in the mind. But the good news is this, the kingdom of God has visited us in his only son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the kingdom of God. And he brings healing, deliverance, deliverance from mind monsters, deliverance from demons, deliverance from sickness. And he brings hope, and he brings joy, and he brings health, and he brings purpose. Not just about heaven, but purpose here on earth. Fantastic. So it's good news of the kingdom of God. And it says the twelve were with him. Yeah? Next. And also some women... It's a patriarchal society. It's a male-dominated, misogynistic society. And uh, Jesus raised the standard and the way that women were treated more than any... He raised it so high, more than anybody else. He was brilliant. Why? Because he sees women made in the image of God. He's the creator. So no, no put-down statements on women. No, none of that kind of stuff. And yet, he weren't all clucky. You know, some men... They, they cluck around women, and you just think, why don't you just go and cluck around your own wife and try to stop impressing other women with what a great guy you are. I'm not into that neither. So anyway, just reality, authentic stuff, yeah? It's gone quiet. Also, some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chuzza, the manager of Herod's household. These were sharp business people. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. These were rich women that supported Jesus' ministry and the twelve. It's awesome. They had community. Okay, so Mary Magdalene is one of those. Next. Is there another scripture on Mary? Yeah. So this Mary... Early, she was the first to the tomb. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. She came running. Everyone just said running. Running. There's panic. She's panicking. And there's a reason for this. She came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. And so Simon Peter and John run to the tomb John gets there first, but, but Peter gets there second. But Peter has a natural boldness. And John doesn't go into the tomb. It's Peter that goes into the tomb first like, come on, we'll see what's going on here. We'll sort something out. That's Peter's attitude. And the tomb was empty. So the men went back home. Not Mary. Let's just have a look at the next scripture. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. Just stop there. Thank you. <laughs> why? Why was she first at the tomb? I'll tell you why. Because she had mental illness and she had demons. 
And Jesus had healed her from both. A tortured mind is a horrible mind. And more and more people in our society have got a tortured mind. And I'm not surprised. Because as a society in Britain, we have said no to God. We don't want him in our education systems. We don't want him in our hospitals. We don't want him anywhere near us. People have voted with the faith. They've told God, we don't want you. So what we didn't realize as a nation is that when God removes himself, goodness goes. And all the benefits that we had as a nation with God being with us has gone. Or it's certainly like a lot of it has just been removed because God will not force himself. And now we have a nation without God and it's getting worse, it will deteriorate because it's no other option. And yet there's pockets of the kingdom of heaven called church and where we're reaching out to people and saying, my God can heal your mind. How do we know? Because he, he healed Mary Magdalene and, a few, and many others who had mind monsters. And, you know, as a leader, you know, I'm a bright fella, I'm a bold fella, but I still have the dark night of the soul that hits me. If you don't know what that is, it's, you know, where you can wake up and you, you've had dreams and you've got a panic attack going on. Or, or there's, there's so, and it's, it's more than just a dream. There's a demonic influence that goes on. And um, any leader will go through all them kind of things. Who wants to be a leader? <laughs> Join the leadership team. <laughs> but we will. Anybody making decisions. And we get attacked. But, but men and women leading a family get attacked just the same. And that's why marriages break down. That's why families break down. Is because we don't know how to fight the battle that's coming our way. The enemy, Satan, is an enemy of your success. He is. And um, we have to fight off the enemy. And there's times when you don't have to fight because life's going great and that's a beautiful thing. You just keep walking with Jesus. But there are times where we know there's, a, there's an onslaught, there's an attack coming our way. And we, we sense it, we feel it, we have to fight it. And you've got to learn prayer. So we can't just be people of the five senses, touch, taste, see, smell. We've got to understand there's more to life. And Jesus understood that. And that's why he could speak to things and change environments like the wind and the waves that came. He spoke to wind and the waves. And he said, peace, be still. And they were still. But Jesus can speak to troubled minds and say, peace, be still. And it will be. And maybe today, all you, you're, all, you're just a prayer away. He said, but I don't want to become a Christian yet. That's fine. But you can still ask Jesus to heal you. And he will. Because he loves to show up and to show off so that you get it. The Bible says this, come taste and see that the Lord is good. So anyway, Mary Magdalene, why is she first at the tomb? I know why she's first at the tomb. He was the first man ever to make her feel like a true woman, like a true human being again. And she's thinking, if he's gone, my life's over. Where is he? And, and then when she meets him, this is the desperation, and I love Mary Magdalene for this, she saw when she looked into the tomb two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, that's not a, that's not a Yorkshire phrase, like woman. It's a term of endearment. It's like, it's like a term of endearment. <laughs> woman, he says, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. 
At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And so many of the disciples at the resurrection did not realize it was Jesus. And he wasn't a phantom. He had a body, you know, a, a, a resurrected body, but he was a human. It looked like us. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, it's beautiful, Mary. Just the mention of her name, she heard, because when he used her name, he did something to her on the inside that nobody else had managed to reach. And she can't recognize him. She's assumed that he's the gardener. But the moment he says Mary, she recognized the assurance that his voice brought to her. And Mary, she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. It means more than that. It means the highest teacher. Rab is the lowest. Rabbi is the next. But Rabboni is the highest teacher. Listen to this. This next bit. Jesus said... She went over and grabbed hold of him. Why is she grabbing hold of him? She's like, do not leave my life ever again. Stay with me. Because while you're around, I feel like I'm complete. But I nearly lost you then, Jesus. I'm not losing you now. Beautiful. And she's just like Thomas. The senses. Touch. Jesus, you're here. She's secure. Jesus moves her from it. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, Mary. I Mary, just let me go a minute. <laughs> For I have not ascended to the Father. What does that mean? It means, Mary, you're used to this relationship. But now you've got to get used to an invisible relationship because I've got to go back to the Father. And I can only be in one place at one time with individuals. But if I go back to the Father, the same Spirit that was living on the inside of me, the Holy Spirit, He will be sent by me and my Father and he won't just be with you, Mary. He'll be within you. And he'll bring you peace. And he'll give you purpose. And he'll give you energy when you feel like giving up. All the things that you saw in me, Mary, the Holy Spirit will bring to you. I've just condensed three chapters of the Bible. John chapter 14, 15, and 16. So if you want to check them verses out, that's really shorthand what Jesus is saying there, yeah? He said, go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am, sending, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. What is Jesus saying there? He is separating the relationship. So I call God Father, and so does Jesus, but I'm not Jesus. And he's, he's still saying he is unique, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is more than the Son of God. He is God the Son. And if anybody understands that, can you come and explain it to me later on? one of them things it's beyond us and yet he characterizes it and he lives it so that we can believe it I'm going to have to finish there the other one was Peter who was uh, another very bold man but he had to change and he got things wrong did Peter and uh, of all the disciples when Jesus said I've got to go to Jerusalem and I'll be handed over to sinful men they will kill me but three days later I will rise again and he said, but you know, when that happens, you'll all be scattered, you'll leave me. And Peter said, I won't. All these might leave you, but I won't. And then G and Peter didn't, and Jesus says to him, you know, before the cock crows, 
tonight, you'll have denied me three times, Peter. And that night, Peter denied him three times in front of a young peasant girl. She recognized his voice. Jerusalem is like London. Nazareth and Galilee is like Lancashire or Yorkshire. So his accent gave him away. And he's going, I'm not from Accrington. I'm from, I'm from London. And she's going, no, I can tell by your accent, you are from Accrington. You were with this man, Jesus. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't. Denied him three times. After the resurrection, Jesus called Peter in the context of a meal. And then he said, Peter, do you love me more than all these? And he said, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me more than all these? Because, Lord, you know I love you. He said, look after my lambs. Peter, do you love me? It's painful, is this? But Jesus had to take him to every point of failure in order to give him a new start. And the third time he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And he said, no, feed my lambs. And he says, you know, there's going to come a time, Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went wherever you want. He said, but there's going to come a time where others will take you and uh, they're going to place you in a position you don't want. And in this way, he was indicating how Peter was going to die. And um, Peter, with still the same foot and mouth disease, looked at John the disciple and went, well, what about him? What's going to happen to him? Jesus said, it's got nothing to do with you, what happens to him. I'm telling you what, what's going to happen to you. If I want him to stay alive till I return, then, you know, that's up to me. And so now a rumor and a heresy started, all because of Peter's big mouth that said, John's not going to die until Jesus returns. The frustration of building community is an incredible thing. But Jesus took Peter through his failures, not because Jesus is like embarrassed or anything like that, not in, not in the slightest, but he knows that Peter needs reinstating. And it's like, get over it. You've got to let it go. And forgiveness is a powerful, powerful thing. If you don't have it, it locks you up in your past and it keeps you incriminated by your guilt and your shame. But when you give it to Jesus, your, 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 your guilt and your shame's dissolved and you start this new life and you're like a new babe in Christ. You don't know what you believe, but you just experience forgiveness and you feel lighter. Your mind is at peace and at rest. Does anybody want that this morning? We are off. I'm, I'm not a salesman, but you know, evangelists, we're here to tell the good news and I'm just saying, you're just a prayer away. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.